Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Tennessee Power Hour and hour number three of day one of the new time slot. Two to five central, three to six eastern. If, if you're with us, we're thankful for you uh, as we begin the afternoon drive time slot with the Outkick Network across Outkick 360 and live from the 6th and Peabody Studios in downtown Nashville. Welcome to the Tennessee Power Hour with Old Smoky Moonshine. Yeehaw beer. Uh, the crew's all here today. Uh, Jacob Swanson is back. Lance Lee is here. Sleepy Danny making the show happen for us. Also, David Reed, the chairman of the board. Ellie Sylvia, who has a class in about an hour and 15 minutes. She's here making the show happen She'll as well. Um, a lot to get to in the Tennessee Power Hour. What was a busy weekend for the Vols and the Titans? We will start with the Tennessee Volunteers, and we will make our way to the majority of the hour with uh, feedback and analysis from the Titans' final preseason game, upcoming roster decisions, some which have already been made, the COVID-19 problem within the Titans' locker room, and fan relation problems that are like clockwork happen every time this year at Nissan Stadium whenever fans are actually allowed at the stadium. We'll, we'll get into that and much more. We start with the Vols and we start with the quarterback of the Tennessee Volunteers for game number one this Thursday, Joe Milton. Chad, finally they announced this and what was the decision that we all knew was the decision upwards of two weeks ago when he was taking the majority of the practice reps with the first team. And I'm really glad that Josh Heupel just went ahead and said it uh, in the game week preparation now with his Monday Media availability to make it some grand secret that everyone already knew the answer to anyways. So Joe Milton, what does he bring to the table? He's 6'5", 245 pounds. Just for reference, Cam Newton was 6'6", 250. That's what he was listed when he was at, at, um, at, Auburn. at Auburn. That's so, Derrick Henry size. Similar size yes. guy, right? He's a big guy. Now, the, all the, his teammates were asked today about Joe Milton. What does he bring to the table? What is Joe Milton? Everyone said he's consistent. He was the most consistent throughout camp. To which I immediately think, consistently good or consistently bad? Because <laughs> that's an odd thing to say. Just he's very consistent in what he does. Um, if you look at his track record at Michigan, it was very inconsistent. He, would, he had five starts. He would splash in a game like Minnesota where he was great through the air, great running the ball, had great numbers. And then he would really struggle at times. In this Josh Heupel offense and what they're looking for, I don't know that he's the perfect quarterback for it. I don't know that there's a perfect quarterback for anything in terms of style. But I do think that Milton, from everything I've read and what I know about him, is probably the best combination of what they're looking for. He definitely has the strongest arm on the team. There's no doubt about that. He's been pretty accurate. I don't know that you can say he's the most accurate. Probably Harrison Bailey is the most accurate. The problem with Harrison Bailey, he doesn't see things quick enough, and he's got a bit of a wind-up when he throws it. But getting rid of the ball quick, being a good balance of getting rid of the ball quick, good accuracy, he can pull it down and run it. So when they have some design quarterback run plays, you're not completely lost with Joe Milton in the game. Um, it makes sense that Milton is the pick, but I also don't look at this decision as final 
in that it's going to be Milton throughout the year. And I'm not saying that because of injury. I just think that it's going to be a fluid situation as the year well, goes on based on how the quarterbacks are performing. We should see. He's the quarterback now. Yeah, we should see a consistent starter to begin the season. And then once you get in the SEC play, what, what happens from there when a quarterback starts struggling? Uh, how quick will the, the leash or how tight will the leash be on a quarterback that transferred here that we all thought would be the guy? Here's the unofficial depth chart that is in the press release ahead of game number one. And you see down at the bottom on the left-hand side, number seven, Joe Milton as the starter. Harrison Bailey or Hendon Hooker listed as the backup. Chad, there's a good chance we see all three quarterbacks this Thursday night because, I, I mean, you should pointed out long. how bad Bowling you, you Green should. is. Yeah. I, you look at the, the national rankings for Division I football defenses last year. This is a defense that the Vols should have no problem putting a 50 spot. 50 spot on. And I'll say this too, I, I don't want to see Joe Milton run very much against Bowling Green. No. I, I want to see them carve up Bowling Green by running it with their running backs and passing it with their quarterback. Uh, there's going to be times where whoever's playing quarterback for Tennessee, and this is the same for any college offense, the quarterback's going to have to bail you out of some plays with his legs, and I'm sure that's going to happen some on Thursday night against Bowling Green, but this needs to be a game where you are running it effectively, handing it off. Mm -hmm. and your quarterback is throwing it effectively in this game. And I do want to see them take a number of deep shots to see that deep ball that, that Joe Milton throws. And I also think Hendon Hooker is going to be the first quarterback we see that's not Joe Milton, even though it's Harrison Bailey first. I think that's more of well, a, they're a built, alphabetical. They're built in a similar uh, well, fashion. The, the or. You know, people joke about or uh, on the depth chart. You've got the or with Harrison Bailey or Hendon Hooker. I would think it would be Hooker coming off the bench first, but I'm with you, Hutton. I think all three play. If you're looking for another slight surprise on the depth chart, I think it's Jabari Small with an or with Tyon Evans at running back. I think the assumption was it would be Small as the starter, Tyon Evans as the backup. Tyon Evans is really impressed, the junior college transfer in, in fall camp, so he gets the or. And I think Tennessee's in a good spot with their running backs. I mean, remains to be seen with Joe Milton. Uh, I was reading a thread today where there's a lot of Michigan fans rooting for Joe Milton to do well, so they have another nail to put in the Harbaugh coffin that he misused him when he was at Michigan. Couldn't develop him. So we'll see. Uh, a couple of other takeaways. Uh, Jacob, if you go back to that and go to the top on the right side, you'll see the defensive uh, starters for the depth here. Uh, Chad, we were looking at this pre-show today, and you were pointing out at tackle um, and what they're, what they're listing up front on their defensive line right now. Yeah, Elijah Simmons, the redshirt sophomore from Pearl Cone out of Nashville as the starter at defensive tackle was a bit of a surprise uh, for me. It's, it's spelled Dejon Terry, but the pronunciation guide says it's pronounced Dejon. Dejon Terry is a uh, heralded transfer from Kansas that did really good things at Kansas in his first year. Thought he might be the starter, but Elijah Simmons gets the nod. And then right below that, Tyler Barron or Byron Young. Those two guys, to me, that they are the pass rush for Tennessee. Yeah, that's it. The success of Tennessee's pass rush will be both of those guys because they have the ability to disrupt the game. They need to do that if Tennessee's going to be anything on defense. And then after that, that's where you have trouble. Jawan Mitchell, Jeremy Banks, and Jeremy Banks is very shaky. Moving from running back to linebacker, so you're shaky to start with outside of Jawan Mitchell at linebacker. 
the depth there is really bad. That's where Tennessee can't afford to lose people. Simmons, Jacob. massive. Simmons yeah, and Barron is a big boy as oh, well. He's, yeah. Oh, he's lost about 30 or 40 pounds. He was closer to 380, 390 at one point. Scroll down to the bottom, Jacob, to the specialists. Chad at kicker, McGrath and Wilson listed as an or. Who's the main kicker for this team? I think it's Chase McGrath. Because it's, it's interesting. It's been that, heralded as a very consistent group. And so when I saw the or, I'm thinking, oh, are they really rotating or is this a short distance, long distance situation? I think it's a, I don't know because it's odd to me that Chase McGrath just isn't the starter because he's got the experience at USC where he yeah. transferred him. And he was good at USC. Um, I, so I don't know. I guess Toby Wilson had a really good camp that he's listed as or. Maybe Toby Wilson will just kick on extra points and Chase McGrath will be more the field goal kicker. Paxton Brooks, the punter, who is all SEC caliber as a punter, he'll handle kickoffs also. Something else to note, I like Bayless Jones Jr. or Tyon Evans as kick returner. Theo Jackson as punt returner, to me, screams, you want a guy who will just catch the ball. This is a senior that he probably showed the best hands. I don't know that Theo Jackson is a dynamic punt returner. He hasn't done He's it. He's not built like that. He hasn't done it since Overton High School yeah. here in Nashville. How about so Flowers? That was, that was odd. Flowers more dynamic? Flowers is another defensive back that I've never seen him return a kick or a punt at Tennessee. I mean, I think both are uh, – I, I, I kind of laugh thinking about it. I think it was Butch Jones' first year. They had a guy named Jacob Carter from Innsworth that was yeah. fielding punts. I don't think he ever had a return. I think he was fair catching everything, and he was sure-handed. He was out there to make sure they didn't drop a punt and that he would run up and catch it, not let it bounce for a big field position play. So maybe that's the case also with Theo Jackson. We'll see you on Thursday night. Uh, and Thursday night, we will also be live for the show, 3 to 6 Eastern in Knoxville. Outkick 360 hits the road as Fox and Outkick begin the bus tour uh, with Clay and, and everyone else involved. Going to be a blast where we're going to do the show live 3 to 6. We'll go to Neyland Stadium for the game, and then we have the outkick after party at Uptown. And, but Chad, we have details there where people in Knoxville can join us. Yeah, come out, see the show from 3 to 6, hang out with us. Uh, we're also raising money for the Waverly football team, so if you want to give a $25 donation, you get a T-shirt. If you want to give a $50 plus donation, you get a VIP wristband for the after party. It's going to come with some free drinks, going to come with some really cool amenities that night after the game. And we're going to have some cool Tennessee themed guests swinging by our broadcast spot as well. I guess I can go ahead and say this. Kane from WWE, Mayor Glenn Jacobs. Uh, Kane, who is now the mayor of Knoxville, will be swinging by live. That's one guest that you'll be able to is meet. Is that the only one you want to mention there. right now? Uh, we'll okay. steady, we'll steady build. Yeah, there you go. We'll that's, that's the word I was looking for. It's leaking outside right now in Nashville. But we're going to leak guests as the week goes My on. But it's going to be a big time. Come hang out with us this Thursday in Knoxville, Uptown Bar and Grill. My tremendous rain jacket is in the back seat of my car. Out it there. is coming down. Yes, it's raining here. That ends the, that ends the weather report. Yes. Um, coming up, we get into the Tennessee Titans. There were uh, issues on the field with some penalties, some turnovers this past weekend in the final preseason performance. Vrabel was upset about that, he said, as he watched the game from his basement. Um, we'll, we'll discuss that. We will not spend a lot of time dissecting preseason game number three because there is a lot to discuss with this roster, uh, the COVID issues going on within the, the team right now, especially most recently on the offensive line with Ben Jones and Nate Davis. 
Paul spoke with Vrabel along with the local media this morning. We'll get the very latest on the head coach who's also out uh, with COVID-19 who continues not to be able to test out of the, the COVID policy yet. And uh, when is the 10-day up, the 10-day wait period up? We'll, we'll try to clarify that as best we can. And uh, it's another home game and more fan relation issues for the Tennessee Titans. We discuss it all next on OutKick 360. Outkick 360 of the Tennessee Power Hour as Hurricane Ida and the remnants uh, that have pushed through Louisiana are now making its way here into Music City in the heart of Tennessee. It is, it is coming down. Uh, good news for, and I know the NFL front offices uh, in New York are paying attention to this, no structural damage uh, to the Superdome in Louisiana, in, in New Orleans which means the Saints will be able to play their game here, uh, there for, for week one. They, they are currently practicing in Arlington yeah. at Jerry World. We don't know what's happened to their facility in Metairie. Right. Um, so hopefully that's fine and they can return completely to, to the New Orleans area. But if they have to practice somewhere else, it would be a real pain. The Tennessee Titans wrapped up the preseason this past weekend on Saturday night against the Chicago Bears. We saw Justin Fields. Uh, take the first half snaps as the starter for Chicago, which was predetermined prior to the game. Titans wrapping up the preseason. Plenty of roster decisions now ahead where they have to cut down to 53 by 3 p.m. Central Time tomorrow. And that's where we start with Dr. Rolando Toyos and seeing clearly Dr. Toyos, our weekly segment, Outkick 360's trusted partner for all things LASIK and hair restoration. You can call 888 888- 315 to schedule your consultation today with Toyo's Clinic and toyosclinic.com. Biggest roster decisions ahead for this team right now uh, will also be determined by what happens with the COVID list because they, the, the players on the COVID list will not count against the 53-man roster. So, I mean, will they have, what, nine players on the list right now? I think it might be seven or eight, eight maybe. So somebody they could have off. upwards Anthony of Rush a 60 or 61-man roster tomorrow at 3 o'clock that would be legal under the COVID-19 protocols. Now, what we don't know is when some of these players could test out or the 10-day period lapses where you have players that are back on the roster. At that point, you'd have to release a player in order for Ryan Tannehill, for instance, to rejoin the 53-man right. roster, which will happen. But tomorrow will not be as exciting um, as it typically would be as they get to this deadline because they've got that buffer of seven, eight, or nine guys uh, now. So Chandon Herring, an offensive lineman who is part of this terrible second wave of offensive line, he was released today. You know, but some of these guys who have been behind, uh, you know, Aaron Brewer's back now, but I'm not positive that Daniel Munyer goes tomorrow. Oh, he got hurt in the game. With Ben Jones, uh, yeah, he did get hurt in the day, so he might injury settle. But some of these backups who've been around, who we know aren't going to be on the roster, might stay on the roster for a while now because the guys they're backing up are on the COVID list. Um, you know, so Jeremy McNichols is on the COVID list, 
Makai Sargent is around as long as Jeremy McNichols is on the COVID list. As soon as McNichols is ready to come off the COVID list, then a decision's made between Makai Sargent and Jeremy McNichols. Though I proposed uh, a scenario that if Darrington Evans is healthy, when he's healthy, I thought Blassingame showed that he's a very capable runner. He did beautiful work with that screen. If the Titans were actually healthy at running back, they could conceivably go with Henry Evans if he was a healthy number two. And Blassingame, if you wanted to get your special teams help from somewhere else, Blassingame could be your fullback slash your third running back, and you could just go with Sargent, say, on the practice squad, ready to come in if Evans were hurt. You're not, you don't have to have a fourth running back on this roster as it's constructed if you wanted to find space somewhere else. Well, let's, let's take it he a step further. He was very good blasting game. Do you have to have a third running back on this roster to begin? I would have no fear, zero fear, of a team claiming Jeremy McNichols or Makai Sargent on their 53-man roster I wouldn't if either. they're waived. Zero. I wouldn't either. Um, and if the team claims them, more power to them because you're getting a third-string running back on our roster. And I'm thinking this from a Titans perspective. Um, the Sergeant hype, let's just stop there for a second. Yep. So look, Sergeant's done a nice job. A lot of his yards in the preseason came against second, third team units. He did a nice job in the, in the starting role against Chicago, which was against second team units. He looks better than McNichols has looked. So he's playing better than a third string running back. But we haven't seen him pass protect, which is the most crucial element of that job. And the fan fever for this guy is like, well, you were going back to Byron Ely and Trey McBride. It's just out of proportion. Let's, let's just look at it from the gamesmanship perspective of deciding who you can get to your practice squad and who you don't, you're not really sure. Um, and we can get to wide receiver in a moment. But at running back, I'm not worried about McNichols or Sargent making the practice squad. I agree. And, and because of that, Darrington Evans is out there as a lingering issue. I, I wonder, and, and Paul, clarify this for me. You have to be on the 53-man roster, the initial roster tomorrow at 3, for what, a 24-hour period before yeah, you can go on injured reserve? It might not quite be 24 hours because the, the practice squad stuff might start, you know, 20, 20 hours later. But you have to be on for that first so till waivers clear. So you don't want to IR Darrington Evans because you think there's a chance if it's a ankle or a knee or a hamstring, it's whatever a it was, um, whenever he limped in a non-contact situation, limped off the field in Atlanta. If you think he's back by October, you put him on injured reserve after he makes the initial 53 right. so you can recall him to your active roster. So you essentially have your third running back on IR that you're going to recall after a certain amount of time. Uh, and that's unlimited this year, by the way, as long as they make the initial 53. Um, let's detail it a little bit further. You would have Blasting Game here serving as the backup running back, but you could also have two running backs on your practice squad that you could conceivably call up on that Saturday prior to kickoff because that's also available to you just like last year. They could serve as a practice squad player or a, a backup running back if you so need it until you get Evans back. And again, they're not taking up a 53-man spot. And I'm you've got early insurance because McNichols is on the COVID list unless he comes off. Right. So he's protected a little bit longer. A little bit longer. I'm, I'm intrigued by that decision with Evans on the IR. Crookshank is another one. Dane Crookshank spends more time in the training room than he does the locker room. And I, I, I can't conceivably keep him around to just push him in the training room again. The guy trains more on the side field than he does practice with the team. Uh, because of that, do they keep an extra safety 
and does Crookshank make the initial roster? And then IR, d does he go to IR? I'm watching him. Uh, I'm watching for Daniel Munyer, who needed help off the field and was barely putting any weight on that leg as he was helped off the field he's, in the second quarter. He's bad, so I would think you got to be able to replace that guy off waivers somewhere anyway. Right? So bad that they kept him around despite terrible snap after yeah. terrible snap in training camp. But but like you said, this whole pool of, what, 1,200 players is about to come free. There's got to be a better alternative to Daniel Munyer. Plus, yeah. I'm counting on oh, Aaron I'm, Brewer to be ahead of him. Yeah, I agree. Him. Didn't I agree. his coach say that he was great? He was oh, doing a great man. job? Yeah. Uh, Downing said that. Yeah. Downing He's needs been to learn. One of the great lies of training doesn't camp. Have to one of the great lies told at training yeah. camp was that one. Um, so he's another one I'm watching for because he's been around for a little bit now. Beyond that, are there any other IR candidates of players who are banged up right now um, that, that could make the 53 and then you push to the to, to later – Later no, on? I, I don't think so. I, so. I think they really got hurt at defensive line, right, where they lost Pico after they had already yeah, lost yeah. Uh, lost somebody, so they're down to their But those were last. injuries that they knew would be for the full season. Otherwise, you keep them around and then you IR right. them after they make the roster. Yeah, I mean, McMath is another another COVID guy that saves them uh, a little bit of decision-making at wide wide receiver, though I think he's Marcus on the outside Johnson looking Marcus, Marcus Johnson, Johnson is interesting. Marcus Johnson is was a big hurt one. on Saturday. And he didn't practice today. And we don't know what's up there. So if he makes the initial roster, he could be, injured, he could be placed on injured reserve for recall after the 53. Again, more manipulation on how you can bring these guys back and still do it structurally within the rules that the NFL provides for 2021. But there, there, therein lies a big decision. You have McMath on COVID-19 and the reserve list, so he's not going to count until he tests out or 10 days expire. You have Marcus Johnson, who could go to injured reserve for a handful of weeks, and then he's called off and, and activated. Again, this is all hypothetical, uh, but that would save roster spots for a Cam Batson. That would save a roster spot potentially for a Des Fitzpatrick if you're looking for a reason to keep him around. Um, and it's really hard for me to conceivably see them throwing the towel in on him uh, at this point. Uh, Racy, he had one really good catch in the game, and then he absolutely bungled the touchdown that he let yeah, bounce again, off his face. He, he has not been good, but they put a lot of stock in the developer that Rob Moore has become as a wide receiver coach. When they drafted Des Fitzpatrick from Louisville, he ran a lot of nine routes, those deep goes. He ran a lot of deep posts. He didn't block all that much, and he didn't do much other than those two routes. But he, he performed at a high level. They drafted him on traits, and it's hard for me to say after one bad training camp, really after one month of pads, that they're going to say he's not worthy of sticking around Rob Moore longer than the month of August. I think he's making the roster. Uh, I think they, it sounds terrible, I think they would have loved to have, been, have the ability to put him on injured reserve and recall him after some more practices. Uh, and you have a three-week window when you recall him versus when you have to put him on the roster. Um, I think he's making the roster because of that and because of the fact that they can manipulate this to their advantage with the numbers at the position. I think the one disappointing thing about him characteristic-wise is that he's not maybe as tough as they were hoping. Um, so they're going to have to toughen him up as they develop That's, him. That is solely on the scouting department if they're listing that as an issue. I believe they think it's an issue. I, I think he's he's a little bit softer 
than Mike Vrabel would like. Uh, and they love Cam Batson because of his physical toughness, despite his size at 5'8". Um, so I think, I think Batson, Batson is going to have trouble because of Rodgers. I think Rodgers, Rodgers is very is similar to Batson, and yeah. Rodgers is on. Well, Rodgers is making the roster. Um, Batson, I think, is a part of the plan in 2021. I just don't think it's a part of the week one plan. I agree with that. And if he gets picked up, he gets. He, and let me also he, gets, and he could in. get picked up in Atlanta. I don't know last what their year, depth is like. Last year, Cam Batson, I think this is me making the case for him making the 53. Last year, Batson filled in for Darrington Evans, who was unavailable due to injury. And Batson would get one or two jet options sweep. a game on a jet sweep or a quick out on, you know, a, a, a quick throw on a smoke pass. Um, just to get the football in his hands once or twice. Could they say, hey, we're keeping him around to be a gadget guy, and he fills the role of Darrington Evans until Darrington Evans comes off IR? And again, Evans is not on IR yet. I'm saying when that happens, you have the ability to have Batson fill the role, and then Batson hits waivers, and then Batson's back on the practice squad, and we begin the seesaw of him jumping on and off the roster all year. I don't know that Evans, what, and he wasn't healthy that long, but he didn't look that fast to me to do those plays. I'd rather have Batson or Rodgers doing those jet sweeps and the, the very smoke, the smoke screen. Then why do they draft Evans if that's the case? Well, I think Evans is more a traditional third, round, uh, third down back. He's going to pick up the blitz, and he's going to, and he can run routes. You know, if you go empty, if you empty, start empty, well, or if you if you motion not, into. I'm not empty. saying he's Evans. I'm saying he was. They used Batson as an extension of their run game in the past yes. game, and that's what Darrington Evans would be doing. Right. So yeah. I'm not saying they're the same Evans player. Evans has to get I, healthy and get out there. Yes. Simple. simple. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Where, so John Simon was waived yesterday. That was a, the most surprising move that they've made. To me, it indicates uh, two things. I think John Simon's really a run player, and I think they don't want to dedicate a roster spot to an outside linebacker who's a run, almost a run-only player. We didn't see him in the backfield at all, right? And I think Ola Edenei, is has made a showing he had a sack and a half in the preseason and he's been pretty damn active as an outside linebacker i think they think that he can do some things at that position maybe more than they expected when they signed him predominantly as a special teams guy and so i think he and weaver are probably the outside linebacker guys now vrabel talked today very much like simon's going to be around uh, maybe as the as a veteran uh practice, practice squad, squad guy. guy that would make sense uh, Ola Adeni is more than just a special teamer. Um, I'm surprised by that, but he's been a very pleasant surprise. He, he's too. a good-looking. It's a good sign for Roberson. Good sign good for sign Roberson for making Roberson. this spot. Roberson, listen, has a good first step. Hasn't turned it into much in the chances he's got. If he's around, this is his time. Like you got to make something of it now, and you're going to be fifth. Uh, Ola is going to be active to play special teams. And Weaver, I would think, is going to be active. I mean, he's got those long arms. That's got to be more appealing than Roberson. I don't know. That could be back and forth with the two of them. But are they keeping five when they hardly last year were keeping three active on most game days and not using the third? It's going to be a real shift. Well, and how depends. much you got to cover for Dupree early on his that, – That's what I'm getting to. How, how active is Dupree? Uh, is he on a snap count for any reason in week one? Don't know. He came off PUP quickly. But he hasn't played. Didn't play. He hasn't played. Um, 
and, and also, special teams-wise, in, in the scenario we're kind of throwing out there, are you keeping McNichols or Sargent to play special teams? And I know they're not playing exactly the same spots, but you do have numbers to fill there. Uh, Denny's take, one of them. You take an extra outside linebacker. Yeah, do you carry an extra linebacker on game day or you carry an extra receiver on game day instead of the running back? Again, all decisions that, that factor into the 53 initially uh, with this. How many safeties do you keep? I have them keeping four. Well, Farley, as long as he's healthy, I think is is fine. And he played. But I don't know who it is after that. McDougal, maybe? I had McDougal over over Crookshank with Crookshank going to IR. Because, again, Crookshank, we haven't seen. Full season IR. You're talking IR before the 53. No, after the 53. I'm saving a spot at running back in order to make this maneuver. Um, I, I don't know how they feel about Crookshank anymore. McDougal seems to be the favored among the guys who, uh, who are passing through. They might also be shopping to see what, what comes. Because all these guys they brought in at safety in these emergency times were on the street. There yep. could be better guys coming out, out of cuts. What do you think of Justin Fields, guys? I thought the one play where he moved to the right and bought time and threw into the end zone was very nice. He was not as electric as I was expecting. Was that the one touchdown with Jesper? The one of the three touchdowns to Jesper, who who might be coming coming available. He's the fourth or fifth tight end. And he's going to have 31 teams try to claim him. He was uh, insanely good, Horstead, in that game. Uh, The one-handed grab where he pulls it in in stride and goes for the touchdown was amazing. I wasn't overly impressed with Justin Fields. Me neither. I mean, other than the one throw, which was amazing. Foles was watching him. The only spot I could have gone. I watched the preseason game with him um, in week two, and and seeing him live, it was more of the same. What you guys saw with him and the Titans is pretty much what we've seen from him the entire preseason. Pretty much narrow read read and and then scramble around and make something happen. Yeah, it wasn't that good. No. Yeah, not overly impressive. Um. I, what do you do at backup quarterback for the Titans? Well, I think think you're probably keeping both. He did not help himself in this game. That interception was horrific, a lot worse than Logan Woodside's. Logan Woodside should have comparing uh, interceptions. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing how uh, when you really dig in on someone you want. I saw a lot of this on Twitter with, oh, well, there you go. Logan Woodside just won the job right there with that horrible decision by Matt Barkley. In the interception, well, it was people, really all bad. people that had been arguing for Logan Woodside to be the backup, and then a series later, Logan Woodside does the same thing. Well, Woodside, his guy got beat. Who was the? Who was it that got got destroyed? Uh, Delorio got destroyed on that play. He needs to feel it, but it was immediate, and it wasn't entirely his fault. Barkley's was entirely his fault. A terrible decision. I think that's why Barkley's available and out there is because he does things. Well, like this that. also this also goes into the scenario of putting together your 53 and practice squad. So I, I do believe Woodside would be claimed by Atlanta if you cut him. I think Batson would be too. Um, it, with that in mind, Paul, the, the rules for the vested vets with Barkley as a vested veteran. Immediately available. He's immediately a free agent, which means before you even cut him, could you – negotiate with his agent because you can pay a practice squad player whatever you want to right. pay him could you negotiate with his agent that we're going to cut you and immediately place you on the practice squad well tomorrow we'll put you on the practice squad and we'll pay you this yeah but it's a, it's an agreement that you're 
you're just carrying it over to the practice well, squad. Well, I, th I think you, Opening you, up you a could roster do spot. that, but Barkley's guy might say, well, I'll take that unless somebody comes and offers him a number two job. But I think most number two jobs are, are booked up. So you're taking a little bit of them. Yeah, I don't think anybody's doing that, though. I mean, that's the leverage on the Titans. The, the Titans would argue, and, and I think rightfully so, man, you weren't available. You, you were available on August 5th. Yeah. Um, now you know the offense. The leverage for Barkley here, I think, is evident based on the COVID situation with Ryan Tannehill. What I think would be really bad is for this team to try to get a third-string quarterback up to speed on the offense and don't throw in Deshaun Kaiser here. Deshaun Kaiser was terrible. Um, to get a quarterback up to speed on this offense with now what would be limited reps and basically a practice squad guy where you're just giving a show team the availability to, to go up against and pretend to be Kyler Murray and the first team Arizona yeah, Cardinals right now. it would right amount now. to special lessons on Friday afternoons, right? Not with good. With Pat O'Hara and with Todd Not, not good. Yeah. Woodside knows this <laughs> offense. Barkley came in and picked it up well. Yeah, he's good. And, and therefore, there's value in keeping Barkley around. I think you have a better chance of getting Barkley in your practice squad if you throw some cash his way. And you keep him within that structure of then the dynamic of, of your system. And then if something like this flares up with Woodside or Barkley moving forward like it has with Tannehill, you have two quarterbacks active on game day that know the offense and that you at least trust to go out there and execute the game plan. There was a funny moment, by the way, during the broadcast of the game where um, John Robinson was in the booth with Dan Helley and Charles Davis and Matt Barkley had a, a crossing route basically went for a big play and he stops his answer and says great throw Matt uh, on the or great throw Barkley as he made it and Charles Davis joking he's getting a shout out you know on the broadcast I, if, to me it's as simple as this Matt Barkley could win you a game because he can push the ball down the field I just don't see that from Logan Woodside you look at the numbers Woodside is seven for eight for 70 yards and then Matt Barkley might be six for 11 but for 160 yards because he's willing to push the ball down the field and has got a better arm and I just think can do a little bit more than, than Logan Woodside. This to me, Hutt, is where you can do some of the roster manipulation we're talking about. The Barkley agreement ahead of time, the cutting of Marcus Johnson if he's healthy or Chester Rogers who are vested. Not cutting, IRing them. No, I'm saying cutting, cut them and say, we're gonna re-sign you tomorrow so that we can oh, keep a guy yes, on the roster yes. today and IR him tomorrow. And then you'll you'll we'll resign you again tomorrow for a little bit more money or just on agreement. We need we need a day. It's interesting, and uh, we'll be live tomorrow at the deadline for roster maneuverability and, and team deadlines for making the fifty three. Um, and Chad, we we will have uh, some guests on tomorrow, right? Yes, we will. Tomorrow we're going to have um, Armando Salguero. That's right. He's on at 3.15 Central 3 tomorrow. 3.15, and then we'll have Bobby Carpenter Bobby talking Carpenter. college football. Uh, Paul, peace at your site, paulkoharski.com, and uh, I believe a, a tweet sent your way from uh, maybe a friend of Chad's. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, he started um, a flood. What's that? He started a flood. Oh, started the, he started out, a flood. Right? Like yeah. it's flooding outside right yeah. now. Um, about fan relations, gate issues, once again, uh, storyline at Nissan Stadium. It's like clockwork in August and September. Uh, we get into this when we return on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 wrapping up hour number three, the Tennessee Power Hour from the 6th and Peabody Studios with Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton, David Reed, the chairman of the board, Jakob Swanson and uh, Lance Lee making the show happen for us 
Uh, Sleepy Danny, appreciate you as well. Double duty today with Becca Risley on a well-deserved vacation week. And uh, Ellie Sylvia, uh, making the show happen for us as our great pro production assistant. Paul, let's clarify a couple of things uh, just based on today's news. Nate Davis has been added to the Titans COVID-19 reserve list. Correct. So he's, he's added uh, over the weekend. Ben Jones was added to that list as well. Um, that, that's at least two starting offensive linemen. Beyond that, uh, Mike Vrabel remains uh, one of the coaches on the reserve list. He's, he's not uh, on the COVID list. There's not a reserve list for coaches. Right. He's unavailable to return to the facility, at least today or it sounds like tomorrow, based on what he well, was saying because of the 48-hour test window. Yeah, he refuses, I don't know why, to, to, to offer the clarification. Ten days is, is the time after which you're judged to be not contagious. Tuesday, tomorrow, is the 10th day. Wednesday is the 11th day. With the clarification I've been looking for, we've all been looking for, is are you available the 10th day or after the 10th? Do, do you have to be out 10 days or are you eligible to return the 10th day? Tuesday is, by my count, the 10th day. Wednesday is the 11th day. So I think we'll see him by Wednesday. We might see him tomorrow. I, I don't know if he's being playful or what. He says he asks Sal. Sal is the assistant trainer who's in charge of things. Sal's not available to, to discuss this. Nine players now on the COVID list with the addition of Nate Davis. And, and Rob Moore, I don't, I don't expect Rob Moore was out there today. I, I didn't stay to, to see the bit of practice that we could see. Craig Aukerman is the one guy that gives you hope because he clearly tested negative twice within 48 hours in yep. order to return That's right. to have a role at the game on Saturday. Oh, by the way, uh, nice job by Stretch on Saturday night. Yeah, it was fun. With everything. The uh, challenge flag, I mean, he got that down cool. in plenty of time. Now, Chicago's not supposed to be able to rush to get a playoff. You're supposed to give the coach time to consider and hear from the booth. But Stretch saw it once, knew he was down, got the flag out. Uh, and let's also clarify, uh, and uh, uh, thank you, uh, Robbie, for this. He tells us that you cannot oh, yeah. pay special uh, 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 practice, practice squad, squad players more uh, than the allotted amount. So you so can't outbid another This is a team. new rule. Yeah, and they closed the loophole maybe a couple years ago now. So what it means is you've got an advantage. If your guy's been with you, he's a lot more likely to stay with you than to go to somebody else's yes, practice squad, right. all things being equal, because he's got experience with well, you. Well, what's his name? Who could have been the Brown, been on the Browns' active roster but decided to stay the with the Titans' practice old trick shot quarterback. Squad. Who was uh, that? Alex Tanny. Tanny. Yeah, yes. that's it. Um, okay, look. It is uh, the same issue that was in 2017 and 2018 and 2019 is available in 2021 for Titans fans. Uh, gate issues and, and getting into the stadium. Chad, I thought you put it best in a tweet on Saturday night. Um, is there another team out there that has more issues, more consistent issues of getting fans into their stadium, into their home stadium, than the Tennessee Titans. And it's not, and it doesn't it's, matter regime. It's not just the team. It's the stadium. It's not just Titans games. It's concerts. It's soccer games. It's everything. I, I don't know of a more inept operation than what we see from the Titans. And there's always an excuse. Paul's got the latest excuse on staffing issues. I just don't see these consistent problems in other venues. It is remarkable that they seemingly find different ways to to produce the same outcome, which is 
awfulness throughout as a venue from concessions to gates opening to ingress, egress to everything. It's truly amazing to see how bad that stadium's been at these things. It's really bad. Listen, I'm going to the soccer game on Sunday, U.S.-Canada, with my wife and son and three friends of ours. I'm going to propose we go to the Brazilian Steakhouse up here on West End on our way two hours early, pig out so that we don't want a single thing from concessions, then get there an hour early and just sit and endure it because I know it's going to be bad. Look, I'm sympathetic to some of the stuff. Adam Noose is now, I think, the guy overseeing this. He was hired from the Sounds in March. All right, so he's inheriting a problem, like we said, that has existed forever. That was inherited by the guy who did it right, prior to him, him and prior to him. him. I mean, this is so a, it's his, it's his it's turn. an annual issue. It's his turn now. Look, they want 800 workers for a game. Because of COVID and the employment challenge, the, the target number was reduced to 650. 65% showed up and they moved forward with 422 workers. That's 53% of the ideal number. How could you... Ideal number for 69,000 fans. For a right. regular How many were there? 35,000 there? I, I, oh, yeah, there I don't couldn't know. have been that. Okay. Just looking at the overhead shots. They, the sh- they shut down the metal detectors that aren't covered during the lightning delay, which is ridiculous. So there are only two gates that are operational during that. I don't know who's going in an hour and a half early anyway to go in and p- pay for high-priced food that's not available and ready, that's run by nonprofit organizations who have no interest in being fast and don't have answers to your questions. Um, Look, every one of those things has to be operational every game, no matter what. No matter what. All of those metal detectors, they have, uh, I can't remember the number, 188 of them. They've got to all be open every game, and the people have to be trained on them. The Titans are seeking to have 100, at least 100 employees of their own. Here's the other thing that baffles me. They, they paid $15 an hour for this game, and people still aren't showing up, and a lot of them were shipped in from Columbus or Atlanta. By my calculations, if you give them a nine-hour game day and eight hours for travel, that'd be $255 for the day. If you paid somebody in Nashville $255 for the day and took away the travel time, that would be $28 an hour. There aren't people in Nashville who would work the day for twenty-eight hours a dollar, uh, twenty-eight hours, twenty-eight dollars an hour. Then you got to up it. You've got to pay what it costs to get people to show up. They're talking they'll give people a thousand-dollar bonus if you show up to every game. If a thousand dollars isn't enough, give them fifteen hundred. Your reputation continues to be at stake. You've got to get it solved. They've been, they've been busing in workers for years. years. Steve Underwood. For years would stand out in one of the sections below the Titans radio booth and deliver a pregame speech to the to the workers that were there from Georgia um, every week. I mean, th- this is nothing new. They've got Slim and Huskies. They're just running back the same protocols. Right. Slim and Huskies, Martins, and Party File in there now. But what does it matter if I can get local food if when I get up there they tell me they don't have chicken? It doesn't it's, matter if it's local. It doesn't matter if it's your crappy chicken sandwich. If you don't have it... What well, do this, I care? This starts with the gate issue to me. This is Adam Noose's first game in this position, correct? Yes. Okay. First football I, game. I, I'm done giving the benefit of the doubt to everyone in his spot that continues the same mistakes over and over again, not just with Titans games, but with everything at that stadium. You have a rehearsal of a preseason game where you're not going to have anywhere close to what it's going to be for a regular season game. Figure it out. 
Stop telling me about the well, labor and show me the baby. Let's also at some point you got to do something and say this is my first chance to put a stamp on this deal. We're going to get it right. There are going to be some things we're going to work through afterward, but it can't be this. And you saw the the tweet that I retweeted and other people. I'm there 20 minutes before kickoff, and I'm there 25 minutes after kickoff, still waiting to get in. That's inexcusable. And let's use this U.S. soccer game as an example. Amongst the things, like we're, we right now are broadcasting from the middle of this magnificent downtown that Nashville is selling to U.S. soccer and FIFA as a reason that we should be one of the cities that hosts World Cup games in 2026. But what if one of those people goes as a fan to this game on Sunday night and sees what that's like? Are they going to say, hey, this is one of the crown jewels for American soccer in 2026? They're going to say, hell no, we should go to Tampa. We're also doing, we're, we're also doing Gil Beverly a favor by mentioning Adam Noose's name instead of Gil Beverly's name in this. It starts with him. He's taking selfies in front of the party foul venue and vendor instead of going and manning a gate to make sure the fans could get in properly. Adam Noose doesn't need to be at the forefront of this story. This starts up top with the vice presidents of the organization. And, and he's, over, he's over the game day operations. It starts with Gil Beverly. And Just like it started with Steve Underwood. And Steve Underwood, well, to Bert his Nihil credit, is Steve, Underwood. Steve Underwood, to his credit, was marching around that stadium, Always. checking on every possible operation. No job was too small for him. As you said, Hutton, he was greeting the people getting off the bus coming in from Atlanta and Columbus that were working the game. Trying to get them invested in some way, shape, or form, but it didn't work. I'm with you. Look, you can't, you can't be a front runner, all right? We can't sit here and as an organization, and this is, goes for everything, can't throw a party about party foul being in a venue and look at Slim and Huskies and look at all the cool things were going on and look at this great documentary we shot down in Mississippi with A.J. Brown and Jeffrey Simmons. And, and, then, when the, and then when the bleep hits the fan... You're nowhere to be found, well, the big, and then the it's all, well, it's problem, staffing issues that everyone's having. What makes having. this so just, uh, the excuses are not worth even writing about, Paul. It, this is not a Monday night football game with every seat filled. No, agree. This is a preseason, meaningless throwaway game where half the fans that received tickets didn't even bother showing up. And you've got thirty to 40,000 fans there that actually show, I mean, even if that and you're still having bottleneck issues at the gates. And I wrote this. Well, Figure it out. that were there this. didn't just leave saying, why the hell did I make an effort to come Well, here? I had some people say when night. they couldn't figure out the new, the new digital parking pass and get into the lot that they were supposed to get into that they did go home. And that, that's terrible customer why service. Why change a, a parking pass? Can you not do both? I don't understand. Why are we create? This is an organization and a stadium that can't do almost anything right. <laughs> so let's create more problems. You know what we need to do next? All digital parking passes. Who the hell is running around saying, you know what the problem is at Nissan Stadium? The paper parking pass. Yeah, you know what worked That's well? That's what's really screwing things up. A red up. tag. They, they know to wave you into this lot if you have a <laughs> well, red tag. Why was that tag? even a that, problem? That worked great. I don't understand why that would even be I, let's something finish. that's brought up in a meeting. Let's finish with this. I would fire the person who brought that up in a, a meeting about troubleshooting in that place. Let's finish with this. I wrote this. John Robinson came in. Mike Vrabel came in. They relatively quickly changed the culture and started to get better results. Why can't that happen on the other side of the operation? This has been an issue, like we said, forever. This is the equivalent of Ken Wisenhunt's Titans. Except Ken Wisenhunt's Titans lasted for two years, and he got fired, and they found something better. 
why can't that happen on this side of things? It's the, and how long are fans going to continue to put up? Liv, there's been a lot of turnover. Paul, how many how many players are actually in the locker room the last time you were in the locker room that are on the roster right now? 22. Okay, so of the of those 22 players may be able to reference this, but the new players that are cycling in, you can actually say, hey, what was it like when Ken Wisenhunt was here? Stadium operations. That's what it was like when Ken Wisenhunt was here because that has not changed since that era. That's the one thing that, that is very similar through all the change that has gone on with the Tennessee Titans. Prove Stadium operations. Prove to that people you to care. There's, there's reason people think you don't care about it, and it's because it hasn't changed. It hasn't. I mean, and again, like half the time when I see these tweets that, that pour in, people always, a lot of times people do look for a reason to complain. It is hard to, to overlook the images that we saw. And you're also, you're giving people a reason not to show up. Absolutely. These are your diehards of diehards that are there on a Saturday uh, and, night. And we should it also mention. hot outside. To watch Matt and Barkley they're going and Logan Woods. It's a preseason game, and this is how you treat them. I, I, I want to also point this out. The Titans agree with what we're saying. They issued an apology to their season ticket holders for the way things were handled for this preseason game. And here's, here's the open letter about the game day experience. So uh, you can find this if you're a season ticket holder. If not, it's all over social media. But, Paul, this, this will point to the fact that, yes, they, they do and have seen the same tweets we saw and heard from the same fans that we heard from throughout this. Yeah, clock's ticking. Opening days, two weeks from yesterday. Well, the alarm clock went off. I mean, the, I know. the clock was ticking at the end of last season when, by the way, they had very limited fans to begin with. But they had all year. They had all year to, to get into. Uh, they like to meet. Beverly likes to meet a lot. Um, start meeting about this and get it figured out because the fans are going to let you know. And we're going to be a show that talks about it. We're a conduit for the fans who uh, other shows will shy away from because of the negative attention they'll put on the team. We're not going to do that, period. Well, it's, again, your fans are your organization. Yes, and, absolutely. And, and it's how you treat them. Is, uh, as Mike Vrabel and John Robinson talk about, we treat you how you treat the team. You know, you are how you treat your fans, and that's just not good enough. You know what? We did a three-hour show. We added a minute, and Lance Lee and Jacob Swanson, we want them to come back tomorrow for another three-hour show. So because of that, we're back at it tomorrow. Live, 2 to 5 Central, 3 to 6 Eastern. A lot to get to. We had more to get to. Check Twitter for we'll our parlay. Tomorrow. We'll, yeah. we'll tweet out. Okay. Parlay's on Twitter. Back at it tomorrow. Thank you. Listen, it doesn't matter what time the show ends. The message is the same. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.